Uh, if you have your Bibles, look if you, if you would with me to the 22nd verse of the first chapter of 1 Samuel. We're talking about Samuel today a little bit, but I want to talk about his mom. And so maybe you've read this passage before, but maybe it's been a while. And uh, verse 22 says, But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go until the child be weaned. And then I will bring him that he may be appear before the Lord and there abide forever. I want to talk to you, uh, mothers, for just a little bit this morning. I'm going to bring out some principles about Hannah. And so, but first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together today. We thank you that we can still in this country gather and meeting with uh, certain representatives this last week and state senators, I see the need from above. Unless there is a change, Father, we are in difficult straits. We pray that we would understand the domestic need to have mothers that would raise children that would fear you. Lord, I pray, and when I'm talking about fear, I mean honoring you, Lord. I pray that you would be with those that are here at the sound of my voice here in the auditorium that I can see, but I pray also for those that are at home that couldn't make it. We just ask that you would bless them today on this Mother's Day. Thank you again for this opportunity to meet. I pray you bless our service in Jesus' name. Amen. Anna Jarvis, she was born 1864, so 100 years before my wife, and uh, she died in 1948. And her first suggested, a, she suggested a national observance for an annual day honoring all the mothers because she had loved her mother so dearly. And at a memorial service for her mother on May 10th, 1908, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, her mother's favorite flower, to each person who attended. The next few years, the idea of a day to honor mothers gained great popularity. And Mother's Day was observed in a number of large cities in the U.S. on May 9th, 1914, by an act of Congress. President Woodrow Wilson then proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day and he established the day as a time for public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. And then, by then, it became customary to wear a white carnation to honor departed mothers and then a red carnation uh, if the mother was still living, if she continues in that particular uh, Mother's Day, it, it, it continues on now, even uh, this morning when I was in the store earlier buying things, and I saw that all the Mother's Day cards were completely sold out because there was, uh, everybody was looking for one. They were hollering, where are the Mother's Day cards? And they said, they're all gone. And uh, then there were some that were buying flowers and different things, and they were rushing because they knew that this was a time to honor moms. And there's no one deserves a special day all to herself more than a mom. A cartoon showed a psychologist talking to a patient. And the psychologist was saying, let's see now, um, you spend 50% of your energy on your job. You spend 50% on your husband, 50% on your children. I think I see the problem. It comes to moms, it's amazing because of how much they, they do do, how much that they are involved in and how much you can remember 
perhaps your mom, you offer uh, reverence to her on one day of the year and say thank you for what you've done. Uh, how can you tell whether someone's a mom? Let me just kind of go through a few things. Someone wrote this years ago. You offer to cut other people's food at a restaurant. You know you're a mom. I think uh, that would be a mom. You hide in the bathroom alone many times and lock the door just to be by yourself for a little while. You hope ketchup is a vegetable because it's the only thing your kids will ever eat. You read the average five-year-old asks 492 questions a day and you feel proud that your children are above average. You use your own saliva to clean their face. That's been done. You count the sprinkles on each kid's cupcake to make sure it's equal. I was with my grandkids this last week for a couple of, one day and in the evening, and I offered to make them some lemonade, and I went in and I poured it in the cups, and one of them was with me. I won't tell you which one it was, Graham, but he was saying, there's more in her cup than mine. So I had to make sure I made it equal. Now I know what a mom goes through, a little bit. You hear mother's voice coming out of your mouth. Now, as you get older, you're becoming more like your mom. You stop criticizing the way your mother raised you as you get a little older. You hire a sitter because you can't remember the last time you went out alone with your husband. But then you spend half the night checking on the kids and calling them because you're mom and you care. You say at least once a day, I'm not cut out for this job, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's a mom. I think it was Gypsy Smith, one of the great evangelists, who said this, if we are to ever beat the devil, we must beat him in the cradle. I think Hannah was barren. We know that according to the story and as was Sarah, she approached the Lord in a godly manner and she prayed the promised uh, and she promised the Lord that she would raise her son in a godly manner and God raised, uh, God answered her prayer and she raised him up the way God wanted him to be raised. She even named the son uh, Samuel, which means asked him of the Lord. I want you to look, if you would, at verse number nine of, of, of 1 Samuel chapter number one. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 9. It says, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli, with the priest, sat on the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, And remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. It came to pass, as they continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard, and therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord. 
I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of the complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel granted thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thine sight. And so the woman went, the way, went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. So it's interesting because she was willing to put motherhood as a premise of her existence and a purpose for life. She had this incredible desire to become a mom. We see in verse number 19 that actually this has an opportunity for them to rise up early in the morning and they were going to go worship the Lord. But it's interesting because she didn't desire to do so. She wanted to uh, be a mom and take care of her child. The early sacrifices, they saw all the kinfolk probably, and they were able to look and see how people have changed through the years, and they were going to gather. And each year they did this, and Elkanah, Elkanah, uh, in all of his house, went to offer, in verse number 22, the yearly sacrifices, but, but Hannah went not with him. Interesting that she stayed back. In fact, she asked her husband, can I stay back? And he granted it to her, and he was sweet to her. He said, yes, you can do that. Wait till he's weaned, and then you can come up. And how long does it take to wean a child and to raise them and be able to be strong enough to go? I thought it's interesting when I was studying this earlier that I found out that, that Hannah was very, very young at the time. And, and the child was probably about five to seven years old when the child was weaned to be able to go up and be with Eli and serve him. And I thought about the traits of a mom, and I thought about taking these principles out with the short time that we have left. I want to just bring out a few tips that I believe is important for, uh, for the children to be able to understand, but also for, for us to understand motherhood a little bit more. How, how can a mom raise a man like Samuel? How can a mom do that? I think the importance of it, first of all, is that she knows how to pray. Verses 9 through 11, which I read earlier, shows that she goes to the house of the Lord and she begins to weep and cry out to God. She prays, though, in recognition of God's faithful performance of his promises. And I think for any mother to be able to enter into the presence of God knowing that he is going to answer her prayer, that's the kind of faith that a mom needs to have in her prayer time. I was thinking about prayer this week and how much we need it. I think when it comes to our children that we need prayer concerning our teenagers and concerning the schools they go to and concerning the future of your children. I think it's important for us not as, not as just the moms to pray, but also for the fathers to be praying for the children. And this is the desire that she was praying to God and she wept before God. And again, Eli thought that she was drunk and she kind of took offense to that a little bit. Um, and she said, what am I, not, not, I'm not a son of Belial, kind of shows you what alcohol does to people and changes them and who they may worship. And uh, it's important for us to, again, be, be aware of that. But when a parent promises to meet their child in a specific place at a specific time and answer a specific request, 
Don't you think the parent should do that? Well, God is your father, and he will answer your prayer. No matter what you pray, the child's position and the attitude reveal the truthfulness of the parent's word. When I think about a little boy waiting for his father to take him fishing, that boy is waiting for his father, and he says, Father, will you take me? And the dad says, yes, I will, I will, I will. And then the day comes when the father takes that little boy fishing and how important it is to that little guy. You know what, though? When we talk to our father in heaven, we ought to talk the same way because our father is willing to listen to our requests, no matter how small or how insignificant it may seem. Here, the case was that She was crying out to the God of heaven. Exodus 29, verse 42, reads this way. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout the generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee, and there I will meet thee with the children of Israel. The tabernacle shall be a sanctified place of my glory. And so we look at this idea of people coming to church. Years ago, I was in my office and I heard the door open. We don't have a doorbell here. I don't leave it locked. And at that particular time, I don't think we had a secretary in the office that particular day. And this woman walked in and she came all the way into the auditorium here. And I thought I I saw someone come in. And so I, I came in here and she was all by herself and the lights were off. I turned them on and she said, do you mind if I come here and if I just can pray? Would you mind? I said, no, I don't mind. And for maybe about an hour and a half, a lady sat in the last pew over to the right over here, and she cried out to God. I don't know what her burdens were. I don't know what her cares were, but she was a praying woman. I don't know if she was praying for her children, if she was praying for her husband, I don't know. But she poured her heart out to God, and I got to hear her cry out to him. Years ago, we had a woman come in our church, and she came in, and she didn't say much to me as she was walking out. She didn't even look at my face. She just shook my hand and left. The next Sunday she came, and that time she looked at me a little bit more. And, and then she said to me one Sunday, do you mind if I come and play the piano? And I said, no, I don't mind. And she would come, and she'd practice playing the piano for a little bit. And then she'd sit in the front pew. A couple times I found her just weeping before the Lord. Her heart was tender. She knew where to go with her burdens and her cares. Listen to me, dear friend. You can go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist if you want to. But why don't you go to the king of kings? Why don't you go to the man that is keeping your heart beating? He will listen to you. He tells us to knock, and the door will be open. He tells us to call upon him, and he will hear you, and he will show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Our God will listen. And Hannah was a woman that would listen, and she went to the place of worship, and she was crying, and the high priest saw her crying out. Deuteronomy 16, verse 11 reads this way, And thou shalt receive before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy man maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen a place for his name there. For some reason, people can gravitate toward church. You don't need to go to a church. I go to the field sometimes and I get on my knees. I'll go into a barn where nobody's there and I'll get on my knees before the God of heaven. But some, there's something about praying and letting God hear our prayer and hear our request. And Hannah 
could have prayed anywhere, but she chose to go to the house of the Lord and directed her prayers upward. But also she prays in recognitions of God's knowledge of the secrets of the human soul. In verse number 13, the Bible says that she spake in her heart. It was interesting that she spake within her heart. She's moving her lips, but she's not really saying anything. The voice isn't coming out, and she's just kind of just saying inside of her heart, Oh, Lord, would you hear my prayer? I need you so much. Just moving her lips, but not speaking anything. Eli thought that she was drunk. You know what the Bible talks about, how the Spirit of God shed abroad his love? The God's love in our heart, Romans 5, verse number 5. But Romans 8 also says in verse number 26, Likewise the Spirit who helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In order to communicate to another human being, we must use words, but God doesn't need your words. He needs your heart. Whatever is in your heart, you can speak to him. God knows our innermost feelings and our emotions, and the words are not necessary. We can just groan, and God hears us, and he understands. Psalm 139, verse number 1 and 2 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sittings and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. I think it's interesting also that she prays in recognition of the obligation to God before the petition is even granted. In other words, it was her attitude and her spirit. I think it's important for her to understand or for us to understand that she uses the word handmaid. And so she's actually understanding that she's just a servant and God is the God of heaven. It's her attitude in her prayer. And sometimes we forget that our Lord is willing and wanting to answer our prayers. I love the GBC News because on there you can share your heart with us and we can pray for you if you need us to pray. We're praying for your mother, Jeanette. We're praying for... Brother Edmund Rowe, he's about ready to enter into glory. And, and uh, we pray for those that are in need of cancer and difficulties. And, but there was something about Hannah. She understood the obligation that she needed to serve God. She called herself a handmaid. You know, I was talking to a senator this last week, and I felt the tension, and the anger, and the difficulty within her. We tried to take her to the scripture, and she said, you can't read that book in here. This is the capital. And uh, she said, well, can we pray for her? Nope, you can't pray for me. It's whatever. You want to leave this place and pray? And all I could think about was an angry, bitter soul that's hurting. I don't know what her issues are. Maybe someday I'll know. All I can do is pray for her, that God would help her to realize that that there are greater powers. She has nothing without the God of heaven. Amen. And I wanted to read Romans chapter 13. I had already to read it to her, and she wouldn't let me read it. But if she would have let me, I would have told her that she's been placed there by God's authority. There is a greater authority, and it is God. 
And when you get to understand that and you live your life that way, you're going to be a lot better off just to submit to God. Why, we, why do we risk this so much? Paul did. He was so religious. Why do you kick against the pricks? That's what Jesus said to him. Why are you doing that? Just accept. And he did. And God gave him great things to do. Obligation to serve him, but her obligation to obey him. Of course, the obligation to trust him. And then she prays in recognition of God's care for his individual children. And so divine administration governs the affairs of men and women on individual basis. In other words, you are personally cared for. Listen to Psalm 139.14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. Here was the grief-stricken woman among thousands being personally intended to by the God of heaven because of her desire to humble her heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And then one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, for ye are more value than the sparrows. I was brushing my hair this morning. Got much left up there. I used to have a beautiful wave, and now I got a beach. And uh, I was looking at it this morning. Sometimes they'll have like a few strands, the guys will, you know, and then and then they get them really long, and then they just kind of wrap them around. Uh, one time I had a renter. We were in Milwaukee. Mom, you might remember that. Mr. I think his last name was Sergeant. He was a redheaded man. And what he would do is he would let his hair grow long, and then he would curl it all around his head, had it all wound up like a Brillo pad. It didn't even look nice, but he thought his head was covered, so he was fine. Uh, I met a pastor up northern... Northern Michigan did the same thing. It was, like, really long. It was probably out to here. In fact, one time I went down and knocked on the door to tell the sergeants to move their car or something, and it was actually sticking out to here. He just woke up. I can just read it. Man strangles with his hair. God knows how many hairs I have. He knows how many breaths I have. How many more days I have. He knows how many you have. He knows your heart. He knows your concerns and your burdens. He knows what makes you upset and what irritates you. He knows all of you. Why do you shy back from talking to him? He spoke to you this morning when the sun came up and the birds chirped. He spoke to you this morning when you saw how beautiful the green grass looks when it's trimmed. God spoke to you. Have you spoken to him? Why shy away? Hannah was a mom that prayed. She understood who God was. I think it's no generalities in her prayer. She prayed for a son, and I pray that he will serve you. And then she prays in recognition of divine sovereignty. I think it's important for us to understand that. We've talked about that a lot lately. She asks for life from the only one that can give it. And please take care of him. John 5, verse number 26 reads this way, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. 
And then she prays in recognition of God's gift to her. And every child is a gift from God. I think it's important for us to understand a godly mother will perfect the avenue of prayer. But there's something else about a good mom. She knows how to perceive. She has a good perception. And there's no way that she can have a divine perception unless she's born from above. There needs to be a new birth so that there can be new insight. There needs to be a daily walk with God so that she can respond in the right. There seems to be an accusation presented here, I think, in the text. And it was coming from the pastor. What are you drinking? Are you drunk? Is that what's going on? She could have answered really harshly, but she didn't. She wasn't on defense. Verse number 15, she emphatically just says no. Nope. You read me wrong. She was calm as well as respectful. She said, no, my Lord. Verse 15 and 16, she has control over her spirit. She will reply, she will, her, her reply was spirited but not disrespectful. And I think that that comes from a woman who has an incredible amount of perception, if you would, to be able to perceive that the other people are for her. Even though she may think they're against her, she's able to respond in the right way. She responds with an explanation. She was not too angry or too proud to give full explanation. And of course, then she went on her way in peace. Look at verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. And so the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. I think it's interesting because Hannah reminds me of someone who would always respond out of love. A person who always responds with love. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, let me just read the verses to you. It says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. That's a woman to be honored, a woman who would actually respond in a loving way all the time. Moms do that. Oh, my child wouldn't mean that. My child didn't mean that. And a mom would take the child by the hand and love on them. And Hannah turns her accuser into her advocate just by having wisdom and discretion and wisdom and understanding. Someone wrote this years ago, Clara was in the midst of one of her worst days in her life. She was washing the clothes and then the washing machine broke and there was water everywhere. The telephone kept ringing. Her head was aching. The mail carrier brought a bill right to the door and she didn't have any money to pay for it. Almost at a breaking point, she lifted up her little one-year-old out of the high chair, leaned over the tray, and she began to cry as she held the little one. 
And without a word, her son simply took his pacifier out and put it in her mouth. (laughs) This will help, Mom. When I can't tell anybody how I feel, my eyes water, my spirit speaks, and God knows. And he'll take care of you. He took care of Hannah. He answered her prayer. Just some observations. I think the best people and the purest actions may be misconstrued even by good people. And sometimes when you have two good people speaking, like maybe even a husband and a wife, and then we think, well, she meant that, and she didn't mean that at all. But sometimes our hearts are full of envy and strife already. And so we have this family feud going on that doesn't need to be there. The most vicious people may be found observing the external forms of godliness. I find some of the most difficult people in fundamental independent Baptist churches, to be honest with you. I love our position, but I really am tired of our disposition. We get all upset and angry at each other for no reason at all. We divide over certain things that don't even matter, and it wearies the preacher when he sees the people fighting. Another observation that false accusations should not overthrow our self-control. If somebody calls you or says something about you, you don't need to get all upset about it. Hannah could have said, that priest, you know what that pastor said? And then gets all been out of shape. She wouldn't have raised a Samuel. She probably would have raised a Saul, who thought himself to be better than everybody else, ended up hurting the children of Israel. Another observation that a good man will not be too proud to admit when he is wrong. That is so true about moms. I heard recently that Donald Trump's son said that he's never heard his dad say that he made a mistake. Woe be to Donald Trump. And then lastly, and in closing, before the Spanish-speaking people come up, she knows how to be patient. So praying, perceive, and patient. Just a few things out of the text. I think in verses 19 through 23 show an incredible amount of patience because patience performs reliability. You show me a patient person, I'll show you a reliable person. I'll show you a person who can persevere through the difficult things. And the word patience is so close to perseverance in the Greek language. Patience also practices with responsibility and patience produces respectability. You find someone who is patient. I'll show you somebody who is on track as far as respectability. So what kind of a mother are you? What kind of mother do you have? I think it's important that we perhaps take time every single year and, and encourage the moms and say thank you for being who you need to be. If this was convicting to you, I didn't mean it to be convicting. I meant to be thinking about your own heart and maybe those are some areas of your life that you could increase, the area of praying and perceiving and then being, of course, patient in all things. But maybe it'd be good for us to just maybe take some time and write down some things that mom does around the house and uh, make a little list. I could tell you we have 
dogs in our house, and she's making sure that the floor is always clean, even though the dogs don't understand that. They got the little doggy door, they come in, and they're smiling, tracking stuff, and they don't even care. But my wife works endlessly to keep that house clean. She works a regular full-time job. She comes home and she takes care of things. I could list, make a list of things that she does. And you could make a list of the things that your mom does too. Or, or your wife does. And doesn't get really much thankfulness out of it. Oh, every once in a while you'll take them out to eat to your favorite restaurant, right? Why don't you have mom this day someday and just write down some things that she's done and say, thank you, mom. Maybe write down about your wife. Say, thank you, honey, for doing all of these things. In order to be able to be the woman that God wants you to be, the first step is to understand that God loves you. He loved you when you were born more than your parents did. And he's kept you and preserved you to this day. That's the God of heaven. The next thing you need to understand is that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. There's no other way to be saved is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's never been about religion. Never. It's been about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Moms, how are you doing? Are you where God wants you to be? Maybe the first thing is that you would receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And if you've already trusted him and already received him, then how long has it been since you've prayed and cried out to him to give you what you need to be able to accomplish what he's called you to do? He's right there with you, willing to help you and strengthen you, whatever the need is. The first thing is relationship with him. And the second thing, make sure you're submissive to him and yield to him every day, and he'll be there with you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. So we get ready to have the invitation this morning. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but maybe there's somebody here this morning that still has not received Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And you say, Pastor, I've, I grew up knowing about Jesus, but I've never opened the door to my heart. I never have. But I'd like to today. Today is the day that I want to have Jesus come in and make me into the woman that he wants me to be. Maybe you're a mom this morning that would pray that and ask that. Maybe you're a dad that's here and says, I've never really received him. I've known who Jesus is, but I've never received him. But if that's you today, you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I need to open up my heart and accept Jesus Christ. Would you just lift up your hand and say, pray for me. Is there anyone like that today? Thank you. Thank you. You put your hands down. Maybe you'd come and someone would show you from the scriptures how you can put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ today. As soon as the piano begins to play, you make your way out of your seat. I'll have a man show you if you're a man and a woman show you if you're a woman. And we know the difference here. But maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, I need to get my heart right in some areas. Would you please pray for me? I'm a born-again Christian, but I need your prayers. Is there anyone like that? Lift up your hand and put it back down again. Anyone? Thank you. Anyone else? 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just stand to our feet and have an old-fashioned invitation. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.